real, relevant, and relatable, they're the three things. They're the three foundations of a great video. Real, relevant, and relatable. You're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Welcome to Voices of Value, Peter Kakos, with my good friend Rick Rushton. Ricky, welcome. Thanks, Pete. It's been a big week and uh, great feedback from our last session with Richard Day, two uh, back-to-back sessions there with uh, some great coaching tips and um, looking to take it to another level today. He was incredible, wasn't he? And some incredible feedback from our listeners on on Richard. And today, Rick, we've got someone else pretty special and uh, someone who, you know, against the I guess the norm of what our conversations yep. have been about over the past sort of month or so, we're going a little bit different today because we've got the Virable guy with us, Rick. And Virable being what he does for a living, he has the understanding about what makes video content go viral on social media. Video is incredibly prolific, especially in our industry of real estate, but, um, but certainly all through. You only have to scroll through Facebook now or or Instagram stories and so forth, but video is just really taking over the world. So I am super excited to have Jonathan Creek with us today, who's going to share with us um, a little bit about this phenomena and, and, and what is actually happening. So for our listeners who don't know Jonathan, Jonathan Creek's background is as a journalist on mainstream media, and from there he's basically looked at and really assessed what actually makes video go into the mainstream and what makes it really go, uh, make it shareable, make it likable and have that spread factor that goes across, you know, lots of different platforms from a good idea. So, And uh, Jonathan has done a TEDx talk as well. Rick, he, he shared the stage with yourself at he that did, same he TEDx. He did, yeah, no, he actually got me the TEDx talk, if the truth be known. So, uh, and in repay for that, uh, we've got him on the Voices of I think we're heading that, uh, little, <laughs> that little exchange. But Jonathan Creek, welcome to Voices of Value. Oh, thank you, guys. Great to be here. And you've Finally. also just finished a book as well. So. Uh, yes. Congratulations to you, and that'll be out shortly. Take us through your story because you you've got an interesting introduction into mainstream media, just following an ad for Channel Nine and getting onto Channel Seven and doing the things that I hope you can sort of take us through that journey and then finish with the James Cameron story. Oh, the James Cameron story. You don't want to start with that. No, no. no let's start right back from the start. I from think um, my story. Well, I just grew up in in middle class Melbourne, uh, normal, typical family. I, I don't, I'm not going to go all the way back, but, <laughs> but that's where I was. And, and right from a young age, I was always fascinated with media. Uh, I, I'd never miss watching the news. Um, I'd never miss watching how neighbours would talk to each other. I'd never miss how people in at the shops would communicate. And I sort of became really fascinated with, with gossip, to be fair. Um, not that I was a massive gossip, but I just loved how you could influence people's behaviour by communicating different things and changing their perspective. And, you know, I went through teenage years and, and always wanted to be a journalist because I saw them doing it on a bigger stage. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about this fascination of, of videos. And um, yeah. so this creative side of you was, was well and truly coming out. Mm. But you did have... Uh, a, a a job, a, a well-paying sort of job, but um, there was a yearning, wasn't there, inside you, that um, that where you needed to follow your dreams and follow your, your true belief, really. Yeah, well, see, I'm an investigative journalist. I've always 
been an investigator. Like I, if I come up with a question in my head that I don't know the answer to, I've got to find it. Otherwise it just it just gnaws away. And, yeah, what I found is when I became a journalist and I remember the first interview I had to become a journalist at Channel 7 here in Melbourne was um, that the, the HR lady said to me, oh, yeah, how long do you think it'll be uh, before you're reading the news? And I looked at her in horror and said, no, no, I don't want to read the news. I'd already done a couple of years in Tasmania by then, so I knew what journalism was about. And I was like, no, 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 I don't ever want to read the news. And she goes, no, of course you want to read the news. And I said, no, I don't. I don't want to sit in a concrete room with a whole lot of lights reading someone else's words on an auto cue. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to meet people and tell their stories. And I want to tell their stories at the times of their life where they need it to be told the most. Mm. And that was my push was let's get out there and meet people. And that was the best thing about journalism. I started off in news and then I moved to a show called Today Tonight. Now, a lot of people might be sucking and, and sighing and, and ducking for cover when I say that, but I went to Today Tonight for a specific reason. And, you know, yes, it had its faults and shows like A Current Affair even has its faults at times as being cheap, but it is a pure entertainment area, those shows. But what they really did is they helped people who fell through the cracks people who had had a bad builder and he'd run off with their cash and they couldn't finish their house, people who'd had money stolen and couldn't afford to go to court because the money was gone, mm. um, people who had been assaulted or stalked or whatever, you know, and, and that show was a way of exposing the misjustice and telling that story and hopefully getting a resolution. And you're a storyteller at heart and that's the passion that sort of led you into um, you know, what you do today. But just talk me through your connection with James Cameron, who's pro- arguably one of the greatest storytellers of all time when you think about the movies he's sort of created from Titanic to Avatar and all points in between. Yeah, well, it was about 2009 I started to get this itch where I was, I was making essentially three to four-minute videos for Channel 7. That was my job. Yeah, you know, I was making videos every day, telling stories, and the aim of my job was to get as many views as possible. For the station. That was the Today Tonight. Yeah, that's Today yeah, Tonight. That's, that's, what it is. that's the yeah. television model, right? Yep. And so in 2009, with the growth of YouTube, I started to see that, you know, I'd be using, you know, expert cameramen, expert editors. I'd have, you know, th- tens of thousands of dollars at my resources, you know, to go and make stories. And, you know, and the ratings would come out and maybe I'd rate half a million viewers. But there'd be some kid on the internet with his dad's handicam who'd be pumping out a million views. And for me, it was like, how? What are they doing? And, yeah, that's when I started to research viral videos. And, you know, I did that for three years while also working, so a lot of late nights burning the midnight oil, almost like a part-time hustle. And then in 2012, I was like, no, I've got to do this full-time. This, you know, social media is big. I want to be ahead of the wave. Um, Yeah, I've got to find out how do you make viral videos? What's the secret? And... That was a five-year journey in the end, um, but a journey that led me to James Cameron. And, you know, part of it was, you know, I'd go to all these conferences and, and listen to all these social media gurus and they'd be saying, oh, you've got to make video, you got to make, you know, video's coming, get ready for video, but don't make your videos any longer than two minutes and 17 seconds because humans have only got the attention spans of goldfish. If you make your videos any longer than that, they're not going to watch, you know, and, and, and it's going to be a waste of time, so make sure you keep them short. Well, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a junket over to LA uh, for the launch of Avatar and that included interviewing uh, James Cameron. And I walk in and I'm like, oh, I've got to get an answer on this on this viral video stuff from James Cameron because 
you got all these social media gurus saying two minutes, seven, eight seconds, but he's just launched a, vid- a movie that's gone for three hours and people watched it all the way to the end. I've been to the cinemas. No one left. Mm. You know, how do he do it? And so I walk in and before I even sit down, I shake his hand and say, hey, James, I've got a real good question. He goes, what is it? And I said, oh, all these guys are saying that viral videos should only be really short, you know, two minutes, two minutes, 17 seconds. Um, but you've just made a movie that's gone for three hours. It's made a billion dollars in like two weekends. What's the secret? And then he said, you know what, it's probably the most interesting question I've had in four years. But if I promised to give you the answer to the question at the end of the day, would you hang around? Of course I would. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, no, 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 that's the answer. I said, no, no, I'm happy to hang around. You want a Starbucks? What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, where do you want to go? No worries. He said, no, no, that's the answer. If I promised to give you the answer at the end of today, would you hang around to find out? Mm, and brilliant. that's it. it and that, be, that's the hook, the promise of the actual it's answer. The, yeah, it's the curiosity loop and that's what keeps people watching videos. The thing with viral videos is that a, there's a sequence of things that has to happen to trigger the share because that's what you want. Mm. That's, that's how they move across the internet, that the algorithms wait for the share, but you can't get there straight away. You've got to build up, a, you've got to cross a number of hurdles and build up to a certain emotional point where you trigger that switch instinctively. And that's your IP that you've built up after you know, spending really the better part of seven years sort of really researching it to this level. Yeah, it's, and it was really tricky because I thought I had the formula. Back in 2014, I made a, spent a lot of money making a video to that formula, thinking this is the greatest thing I've ever done. It's still the best piece of cinematic work I've ever done. Yeah, I've heard you say that, but, but no one shared it. No one would share it. Yeah, so let's dive into that. Yeah. And um, first of all, what made it, in your mind, the greatest viral video, in your mind? Uh, and then let's dive, then dive into, so what basically was the element that stopped people sharing? Yeah, so really what it was, and you've got to understand, we've got to, we've got to rewind, and, and it doesn't seem that long ago, but this was mid-WikiLeaks at its peak. Right. And, you know, being in the news game and, and being a journalist, you become really good at picking the zeitgeist and picking the mood. So what are people wanting more of? You know, what's what's piquing their interest at the time? It's what I call a moment of peak relevance. And so I thought I'd get together and make a video that really took aim at the five pillars of society. And I did it with a couple of tricks. I put some pop culture in there. Um, we used lyrics out of pretty famous songs and mixed them all together in a mix. And, you know, we, we hired the old Cobb & Co house in the city um, special effects, real guns, shooting blanks, <laughs> four or five camera crews, everything. Like this was a high end. Big, big shoot. You know, and it was all coming out of my pocket. And you know, it was it was awesome. Um, but you know, the fact that we executed the five pillars of society um, was, you know, that was the wake up call for me because people would watch it and I was getting the feedback on my phone saying, this is awesome, man, this is incredible, this is crazy, what a video. But what I'd miss was that social media is a reflection of yourself. So what you post is also a reflection of your own opinions. And and the video that I'd made was too risky. It wasn't what people were prepared to share because they didn't want that to be a reflection of themselves. They're happy to consume it. They're happy to be a passive supporter of it. 
but they didn't want to be associated with something so heavy. Gee, that's brilliant, isn't that's it? A, that's a good bit Sharing of uh, is a reflection of yourself. Self. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's sort of played out in recent times in federal elections here in Australia where people sort of said, how could the pollsters get it so wrong? And it's because they, they, you know, people would respond in a way that they think, I'll say this to you, but that's not how I'm going to say it to the rest of the world, i.e. with my vote. Uh, and same in America with how could Trump get in when so many people said they would never vote for him, but they did. It's a little bit of the they probably don't really want to share ultimately that they want America first because it's going to look like we're selfish, so therefore I'm going to say that um, – yeah, I'm actually going to vote for you know someone left of field, but really they're going to vote right of centre to a degree. I think that's a you know that's a really interesting point, but I think it also ties into a bigger issue, and I think it, tie, it ties into this media bias issue that's yeah. going on at the moment, and yeah, the instant call of anyone that doesn't agree with what you're saying is fake news, and and what we've seen is a proliferation of journalists no longer being journalists but being more opinionators, mm. and what you what I think I'm seeing, because other people might be seeing it differently, and this is the problem that we've got now, is that everybody's a broadcaster. Yeah. Mm. Everyone can pick up their phone and broadcast to a million people if they want and mm. if they're good enough. Mm. The problem that we've got now is that it, it, we're distorting reality, is that some people's reality is completely different to other people's. And so what you get with someone like Donald Trump is that here in Australia, the Australian media seems to be obsessed with CNN. So we get fed everything from CNN's point of view, and CNN is definitely anti-Trump. So for us, with the information that we're fed, we sit there going, oh, my God, how did Donald Trump get in? Because everything we are being told he wasn't going to get in. But if we watch Fox News from we watch Australia. watch Fox News from Australia. <laughs> very right wing, very yeah, much. That's right. They so, love him. So you've but, got these two different streams of people yeah, with yeah. different beliefs. So once upon a time, mate, in your day, journalists would report the news. Now it seems to me like almost journalists want to be the news. And so therefore they're trying to – it's the race to be first, not even right, just first. If I'm the first news breaker to break a great story um, and you're almost – try and sort of lead the story before it's actually the story to a degree. And I'm just interested in when you say the reason why people share or don't share is because they see it as a reflection of themselves. Like I know for a fact if I see something that's kind of funny and it's humorous, I'll share it. But if I think it's to the wrong side of humor, i.e. if it plays down women or if it's kind of borderline, I won't share it. Is mm. that the point you're try trying to get at? It's a bit of a moral compass with what you share? There's definitely a filter yeah. that, that controls what people share um, and that's becoming more and more um, sensitive than what it used to be. I mean, uh, the internet you really, in terms of video, you know, right up to 2014 and 15, it was pretty much the Wild West. But nowadays, you, you know, you can look at politicians, for example, you raise it, you know, as soon as they get elected, journalists are just going straight back through everything they've ever said on Twitter, yeah. everything they've ever posted, and they bring it back up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so people are getting more wise to that. And, and that's because... The internet is maturing. Mm. Um, you know, the content is maturing. So if something's a bit radical, there are still pockets in the internet where you can find stuff that's radical and probably not PC and probably inappropriate for some people. Um, it's still there and you can find it. Um, but, you know, if we're talking the major platforms like Facebook, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, those companies have got a big job to keep it interesting while also not making it boring vanilla because that's the one thing that, you know, that'll kill you faster than anything. And it's the biggest mistake that most businesses make with their videos mm. is that they just play boring vanilla to be safe. Yep. Now, I'm not saying go out there and wreck your brand. I'm not saying go out there and, and trash your reputation, but be interesting. 
you know, what you're dealing with here on social media and in terms of video and everyone's got an iPhone or, or a phone that's got a camera on it, the stuff that you think isn't interesting usually is. Right. You know, it's, it's, social media is the new reality TV and it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be bumpy. You can have cars in the background. You can have dogs scratching at the door like we just had before. <laughs> right? As long as you let the audience know that there is a dog in the room and that scratching is the dog, they're okay. They'll process it and they'll move on. So, Jonathan, when you spoke to our company, you spoke about um, on that, the quality of execution of videos. And there was a stat that you said that the videos that people are most likely to watch, those that aren't professionally edited and put together versus those that are a bit more raw. You had a stat on that? Uh, not sure if I had a stat on that, but there's definitely a trend in that position. Yep. Is that here's the thing, the, if you overproduce stuff, it's fake, right? You're being someone else. Mm. Now, social media, it's, it's, human, it's a humanised form of communication. Now, Rick's the communication guy here. <laughs> um, and, and Do you find it weird how Rick puts makeup on for our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice. I just thought it was a natural glow. <laughs> but, yeah, this is the thing with uh, social media. As soon as this is a, this is a big, big point, and, and there is a statistic in terms of viral videos that you know, if, if you overproduce it, if you make it all slick, people aren't going to buy into it. But if they think it's real and unpredictable, they're instantly more intrigued. So here's the thing. When most people, and particularly real estate agents, they are just so heavy on this. And I think it's because they are their own image, you know, how they present themselves, you know, the cars they drive, how they walk up a driveway, the bag that they carry, whether they wear a vest under their suit coat or not, you know, all those <laughs> sorts of things. Right? They're so groomed that when they turn on a camera on their phone, they're not themselves. They're pretending to be the brand they're trying to portray, which you can hide in a photo. But when you start talking and humans are looking at you and looking at your eyes and your facial movements and how you're actually communicating, they can tell whether you're a fake or not. Mm. Whether they recognize it in their brain, their subconscious just goes, oh, no, this guy's kidding himself. Mm. Well, this girl's not right. Yeah, it's not, there's something not right. They're an actor playing a, a role, not, not showing us who they really are. Yeah, and the realer you can get it, and here's the thing, real, relevant, and relatable, they're the three things. They're the three foundations of a great video. Real, relevant, and relatable. So let's break them down. So real, yeah. real. You got to keep it real. Don't fake it. As soon as they sniff a fake, they're out because they don't want to be tricked. They don't want to be sharing a video that someone then fires back to them and goes, "Oh, that's fake. What are you sharing fake videos for? You got fooled. You're an idiot." Mm. Yeah, that's ego coming back at you. Relevant. You got to work out your audience what's relevant to them, but beyond that, how to communicate in a relevant manner. Right. How do they communicate with each other? You know, we, we've all been at school, you know, and I went, I went to Melbourne High School and we had some pretty old school, uh, you know, masters that would take our classes and they'd talk to us as if we were little bits of dirt on their shoes. And I tell you, I never learned a thing in those classes. But the teachers who'd sit with you and joke with you and talk about skateboards and how good Power Peralta is and all that sort of stuff, I'd listen to them because mm. they were talking the way I spoke. It's no different online. You've got to communicate in the way that your audience communicates. Rick? Yeah, I think you find your tribe, don't you? And you know what they like and you know what they dislike and you communicate accordingly to a degree, which I think is you know critical. And the other thing I love about the way you sort of boiled it down for me in terms of um, helping me with my sort of video profiling and things of that nature is that 
you don't have to be on the stopwatch. You don't have to keep it to under 60 seconds or under 90 seconds. There's no magic formula. If the story is real, if the story is relatable and you can communicate it in a way, people will watch it for a long period of time. I love the the sort of videos, Pete, that go really viral on uh, social media. Some of them are, go forever and you almost keep on watching it just because you want to see how they end up. So it's not like they have to be super short. Um, but talk us through, if I'm now somebody who's listening to this podcast who wants to get uh, a brand enhancement out there, or wants to get a message out there or just wants to build an audience. Talk to me about the difference between likes, which is very ego-driven. We want as many likes as we can get versus shares and the value of a share versus a like. Yeah, so if we look at the Facebook algorithm and the latest changes that Mark Zuckerberg's just put in with Facebook, the first thing you have to understand is where does Mark Zuckerberg want Facebook to go? And in in the next 12 months, Mark Zuckerberg wants Facebook to be 95% video. So we've what? got no option now. We've got to get good at video. Yeah. So <laughs> And so then what my brain says is, okay, why does Mark Zuckerberg want Facebook to be 95% video? Well, let, let's stop for a second. But how do you know that that – where do you, how do you see that uh, as the way that Mark's going and how, how Facebook, Facebook is going and what – is it got to do with shares or has it got to um, – what they're actually willing to sort of share on and – and where the, um, where the eyeballs go to. Right. So here's why Mark Zuckerberg wants Facebook to be mainly video. It's because you can run more ads and you can make more money. And that's the biggest, you know, that's the first thing you got to do. You've got to make what the platform wants because if you make the stuff that the platform wants, they'll reward you with reach because you're giving them the ability to be a better business. Remember, he, he sold, he listed for $35 billion. They've got to make that money back. So he's a business. So yep. first you've got to understand, get rid of this whole romantic n- notion of, hey, let's just put videos out there and everything will be sweet. You've got to really go down to the nuts and bolts of the business of it and say, okay, how can I leverage this to my advantage? Mm-hmm. I think this is what I do pretty well is I look at it, you know, I don't want to pump up my own tires, but I, I don't know many people who go back and say, okay, what's the business model of Facebook and then I'm going to make videos to fit the business model of Facebook. But that's essentially what you have to do. Yeah. Mm. So the next thing they do is that allows them to run more ads. So then you look at, um, at the kinds of videos or how the algorithm treats videos, right? If you look at the latest changes, viewing videos is a passive, what they call session on Facebook. So that means zero. You don't get a point. If someone comments, you get a point. If someone likes, you get a point. If someone shares, you get two. But if your share then goes to someone else and they like or they comment or they share, you also get their points too. So it's like compound interest. It's compound interest. Builds and builds and builds. Yeah, and that's how the algorithm opens it up. Now, if we talk Facebook organic reach, you post a video or I post a video today on Facebook to the, say I've got 100 followers on Facebook, only two of them are randomly chosen to look at that video in their feed. Wow. Right? That's two, 2% organic reach. Now, if those 2% do nothing, so if it's my wife who's like, oh, my God, I don't <laughs> want to hear about I don't hear about all this viral video stuff again. I've been going on for seven years. So if it's her and she does nothing, and I say it all the time, you get that, you got to talk, you got to say something. <laughs> right? you got to do it. So those two people do nothing. The video goes. They wipe it. They just push it down, crush it. It's still there. It can still be found, but it it gets pushed right down. Here's the second thing. If people start using liking pods and getting all their friends to like their videos every time they post it, if it's the same people, Facebook's smart enough to know. And they go, no, hold on. They're trying to game the system. 
they push it down and they give you a bad score on your credit rating, essentially. The second thing that they look for is um, uh, if you get those two people and they like and comment and share and it goes up, they open it to the next 4%. So you go from 2% to 4%. If those 4% then interact the same because it's a good video, it goes to 8%, then 16 then 32 and then it stops at about 44%. You're only ever going to get, at best, half of your audience on Facebook. So what you've really got to do is drive that engagement. Now, the best way to talk about viral videos, and I think the easiest way to understand it is, have you guys ever cried at the movies? I think it was salt from the popcorn, if I'm being truthfully <laughs> honest, Jonathan. But yeah, I've cried at the movies. Yep, absolutely. Sharing a viral video is the same instinctive response in your brain. So all it is is you're building up the emotional buy-in to switch the trigger in the brain. Now it's the brain that decides, am I going to cry or am I going to share? Or am I going to get up and walk out? All right, it's that switch and then manipulating what it is that you get them to do. The best videos get you to cry, laugh, then share. Mm, yeah. And there's layers to it. You just feel your finger automatically go to that share button. Yeah, yeah, you? yeah. You get yep. that impulse. Yep, yep. And so in your experience, what have been the absolute consistent things that you see in videos that do get that traction, that do sort of the algorithm loves and, and obviously do get the, the multiple shares that sort of keep on keeping it to the top of the feed? This seems really strange and I did struggle with this for a while, but it, it truly does stand the test of time with the clients that I work with and the results that we see is that uh, the audience, as long as you've got a, a clear audience and, and you haven't jumped around and mishmashed them or bought, you know, if you've bought followers, kill that account, start again. That's number one. But the biggest place is what I call brand story clarity. So if you know your brand story so clearly that you know what story to tell, how to tell it, and where to tell that story so that your audience is almost expecting it. Mm. Your, the, the brands that do it the best, like we look at the Red, we look at Red Bull, for example. Red Bull's audience and they've got the greatest branded viral videos of all time. Like they've got billions and billions of views. The audience almost knows what they're going to get. And that's all about risk because we're all time poor and we don't spend our time watching a video that we don't like. So brand story clarity ties into what I call invisible impact. The viewer is already bought in to what you're making. They already know in a sense what they're going to get not the finer details, but they know the experience that they're going to have by watching your content. And they know that because they like the last one, the chances of liking this one is good. Yeah. It's going to be a positive. So there's a trust element building up there. What really struggles with a lot of brands is that they'll, and even small operators, is that they'll jump around a lot. They'll see trends on the internet. They'll see a competitor make a viral video and they go, oh, I'm going to make that viral video and then I'm going to make that, that. And then they jump around their communications. When you look at them over a six-month period, are really schizophrenic. And that's the fastest way to lose trust. And people won't invest their time to watch your content, which then allows to build up to that trigger, which triggers sharing. They're not even going to give you the chance because they don't trust you. So the thing is you've got to get really clear on who you are. It's like a, it's like a DNA your formula for viral success, Rick, is different to Peter's. Yeah. You can't make Peter's videos and Peter can't make yours because you're two different voices. Well, clearly. Both, both very valuable, might I say, <laughs> but you're very different voices. Yeah. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to work out your, your unique viral DNA mm. 
and tell your story to the to your audience that's real relevant and relatable. And so if I'm not a big organization, if I'm just an individual, let's say I'm a salesperson and I'm you know, I've got a social media account, but I, you know, my company's sort of saying, you know, you need to probably engage more with from a from our brand standpoint. You know, th- that's always the question I get asked. Do you have a, a personal account that you pump through? Is it a is it a organisational account? You know, should I have one for one and one for the other, and only pump certain content through each one? What what's your feedback there? I think do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you can. Yeah. Do as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing some reports at the moment coming out of the US where where they're suggesting you've got to be making 100 pieces of content a day. Wow. Now, that's unrealistic for most people. That's unrealistic for me. And I've got a studio set up where I can just walk in and talk to a camera whenever I want. Mm. But that's unrealistic. Yeah, that's going to swamp people. So don't go for better. Go for quality over quantity. That's the first thing. But what I'd be doing is create an account where you feel comfortable. Yeah, most people have personal accounts. If you want to bring your business world into your personal account, well, you're probably going to lose some friends because everyone hates the sales guy who comes to Christmas dinner and tries mm. to sell you over the turkey, yeah. right? Oh, no, that I hate the ones where you accept someone and as soon as you accept them, they send you a, a business plan. Oh. Yeah, and you just go, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, thanks for connecting. I just thought I'd tell you what I do and <laughs> if you're interested, you know, I can give you a free consultation. This is valued at 800 bucks. It's almost like I just hit delete straight away. Yeah. <laughs> That's the curse of LinkedIn, right? That's yeah. their biggest challenge right so now. So let's, let's go through that. So I want to I want to get a message out Professionally speaking, would you recommend I do it on Facebook or LinkedIn or both if I can? Or what? What's the or Instagram or Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I'd- well, you've got to find where. You, what's your end game? Yeah, I always work backwards. I reverse engineer everything. I wrote the the spread factor, the, the variable formula, which yeah. measures spread factor, which is the unit that measures whether people are going to share or not. Let, let's look at it in a real estate. Mate, a lot of our listeners are real estate people. Sure, and and it's it's sort of an industry that most people sort of are. are uh, are across yeah. anyway in one shape or one um, way shape or form so what would advice would you give to a real estate practitioner in terms of their image and so forth and getting out there and what have you seen from a um, from a, a consumer point of view because you've dealt with a lot with 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 agents and so yeah. forth and you know what, what I find it staggering that I that that more agents don't build their own profiles I mean you've only got to look at those shows on Foxtel uh, you know Million dollar listings. Yep. They could be media machines, couldn't they? Oh, they are. Well, Ryan Surhart is, is massive, yeah, well, right? His YouTube channel, he just launched it only six months ago. He's getting millions of views. Mm. That's only because he puts out content. Mm. Yeah, he's and he's, he, you know, he's a bit dorky. He's not perfect. He's not Mr. Flash. He's just him. Yeah, and he invites people into his life a bit because he's being human. Yep. Now, here's the thing with real estate agents, particularly in Australia, is that they seem really reluctant to put themselves out there. And I find it crazy because when you're going for a new job, and this is a great place where we're in at the world at the moment, when I was at Channel 7, I had a YouTube channel which had every one of my Channel 7 stories on it, and they made me kill it. No, 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 you can't do it. You can't put our stuff on social media. Nowadays, oh, quick, put it out as much <laughs> as you can. You've got to pump your own story. You've got to build yourself up. For real estate agents, now you guys answer me because you guys are the experts here. How often would a real estate agent, a sales guy, a guy closing houses or an auctioneer, stay at the same agency for his whole career? 
how often. Yeah. Oh, there wouldn't there wouldn't be too many. No, it's. Uh, I remember sort of agents. I'd say, mm. oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Where are you working now? They had to grab their card out of their top pocket. To they, these friends. days, it's a little bit more. Yes. But, but you know, there'd be so they jump five percent of a, a career. Yeah, I think that, look, so there you go. So they jump. Life. So they jump around. Right. right. It's a transient industry. There's no doubt right. about that. So the greatest thing in my mind that they can have with them is a massive social media following, influence online, where they can then be taking buyers or sellers that they built while they're at one agency and carry them over to another. Why wouldn't they be building the biggest audiences that they could online? Because it's their own accounts. Your boss can't keep it. So they should be investing in video because video is the fastest way to grow. Now, you've got to do that by being real. Now, there's real estate's incredible for me. I think you know, the bigger the investment, the more emotional the buy-in on the actual transaction, the easier it is to trigger the switch of sharing. Yeah. But when have we ever seen the true emotion that comes with buying or selling a house? Now, the house we're sitting in here, which is mine, I remember the day that we, we moved in handover. The guy who lived here, was in tears. He didn't want to leave this house. Mm. Now, you know, I you know, I, I, I felt bad because I was moving to his house and he didn't want to move out. But I went to speak to him about it. What what is it? You know, what is oh well, you know, that stag fern. I you know, I potted that with with my daughter when she was eight and then you know, this place is full of stories. Mm. So that's the second step of the viral formula. We've gone from emotions into stories. Right? The next thing is, you know, Triggering the response, mm-hmm. and that's by being relatable. So who's got other people who struggled to leave their family home because it was emotional and had stories? Mm. We're almost at the formula. All you've got to wait for now is the moment of peak relevance, which is, you know, it's going to be more – that story about that guy leaving his house is going to be more relevant to someone who's in the same situation than someone who isn't there yet. Yeah. yeah. I think there'd be so many industries that have those stories, but real estate is one that – we are a walking story every mm. every day, every moment, um, and, and we're very fortunate to to be invited into people's homes and and listen to basically life stories mm. along the way. So that's where it makes sort of good viewing, um, you know, without a doubt. So there isn't a house in the world that doesn't have a story. Yeah. Now, as a true. journalist, we used to go into different houses all the time. Yeah. Usually, we'd pick the houses before we looked at the address on the brief by how many bikes and rusty old cars around the front when we're working at today tonight we could always <laughs> pick the house that we we're heading into but it always had a story because humans had lived in it yeah mm. yeah and that's what real estate agents have got to get down to you guys that are listening here right now you got to say you know what this is not just another house this is not just a number on my monthly target this is an opportunity for a story that's going to connect to someone who could quite easily result in your next deal, your next sale, shared three, four, five times over that leads to the biggest house sale you ever get. Mm. But if you don't make that video, you don't get that shot. Mm-hmm. Do you know this um, This makes me think a lot about um, letting go of the ego and that's what I think we are talking about earlier, That that's uh, making it about yourself and really encapsul- encapsulating empathy mm. and the ability to – to listen to the, oh, it's going to sound like philosophical or spiritual if you like, but listen to the walls, but certainly listen to someone's stories, put yourself in their shoes, mm. who planted that plan, who laid yeah. that brick, um, let go of the ego, let go of your, what you want out of it and understand that 
that there's people who feel the same way and, and that's where that, that sharing comes from because people, it's that likability, isn't it? That, mm. that yeah, I, I felt the same way, I'll listen to this or I, I felt that and, and all of a sudden then you've got them in. You know? And I think that for me, the, the videos I love watching from real estate are the ones where the house is the star or the suburbs the star. The ones so I true. hate is when the agent's trying to be the star and yeah. you just kind of go, mate, it's not about you or lovely lady, I love the – I know you spent most of the day in the makeup chair and, the, and getting the hair done, but it's not about you. It's about the story behind the home. And I used to find that later on in my career in real estate, the first questions I was always asked, Jonathan, early doors was, how much do the owners want? Or the next question I'd be asked is, how long has it been on the market? But towards the end of my career, in the last you know year or two, I got asked the same question just about all the time, the more I think about it now, which was, what's the story with this one? Like everyone wants to know what's the story with the house, i.e. why are they selling potentially, how long have they been there for, all the things you just talked about there. And like the story here is quite simplistically, if not for a job transfer, this owner would not be moving. And when I asked them what are they going to miss the most about this home, they said the neighbours because they talk about the fact that they close off the street at Christmas time and all the families get together. There's a lemonade stand. And it's almost like a viral <laughs> monopoly game. Um, you get my point with that though. I think they're the sort of stories that people want to know more about because if you look at anything that's viral online at the moment, it's really about a story, isn't it? It's, it's about some human emotion. And that's where that it, – it can't be faked. And, and I love the way um, yeah. Creaky spoke of authenticity. Correct. And this sort of stuff, you just can't make up. And no. when it's real, people can see through it. And, mm. and I get what you were saying, Jonathan. Like it's, um, it's great. Let's have a look at um, the traditional real estate agent videos that we see on social media at the moment. Let's just paint the picture. Let me paint the picture in your heads. European car pulls up to a curb. <laughs> yeah. A flash, a flash, a flash! Pair of shoes steps out onto the gutter. No the guys, socks. the guys wearing crazy socks or no socks. <laughs> right? He puts out the A-frame, or he puts up the flag, and then he walks into the house. And I'm already turned off. Yeah, because it doesn't do it's it. It's overproduced. Things. It's corporate. And what the hell does it's that have boring to do with and vanilla? Yeah, what's it got to do with anything? <laughs> but uh, I was saying this yeah. to Pete. I, I was seeing in a, a pretty high-powered meeting in um, with some executives from Channel Nine, and they've done a bit of a a merger with Domain and they're talking about different things and one of the things that um, a very smart uh, industry veteran was saying was talking about why would someone want to get involved in a you know an all channel or sorry a channel that has nothing but real estate content on it and they were talking about, well, because of the, you know, everyone's interested in, even if they're not in the buying or selling mode, everyone wants to know what the market's doing. Everyone wants to know, you know, where's it at? Where's it going? How's it all, how's it all rocking and rolling? And then he said, well, uh, okay, but again, how does that sort of give us uh, a paying customer, i.e., you know, the, the media and the marketing and all that sort of stuff? And it kept on sort of dragging from there. I'm thinking, man, it's just such old world thinking in this day and age where there's so much value that can be said. Then a young executive popped on a clip of uh, a video that went viral. So I think you'd know it probably better than me, Jonathan, but it was the, the number one viral video in the modern era where it took 24 hours to get 50 million views and it took in three days, uh, it only took three days where it got three million shares and it's uh, a video of a mum who puts on a Chewbacca mask and it's called Chewbacca Mum and it took her effectively 24 hours to get 50 million reach. It took, to give some context to that, it took, uh, the telephone 75 years to get 50 million users 
even the World Wide Web in terms of the internet took years to get it happening. This this mum got it done in 24 hours and they really, they drilled it back to say it's because it's real, it's emotive, it's funny. She just said she's having a heck of a week. What else can I do? She puts on this mask, she starts to sort of, and That's she's great. driving a car yeah. and she's singing a song and it's got an emotion attached to it and it goes. And it went because it got shared clearly on your sort of, yeah, compressed yeah. sort of target of three point. It was nearly four million shares. in Yeah, and what know. she – and. What she also did well there was it was timed right at the time of The Force Awakens. Yeah, right. So, right. Mm. Perfect. So, the moment of peak relevance yep. was right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that happens. But if she's not making that video, she's not getting those views. Mm. So, and in what, summary. What about our, um, sorry, Rick, what about our, our good friend um, who did anybody got time for that? <laughs> what, how many views is that up to now? Oh, that's over 100 million. 100 views. million yeah. views. Yeah. Uh, What's her name again? Uh, so, uh, Brown. Brown, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, ain't yeah. nobody got time for that. Yeah, yeah. Time. But just so I had brown cats, <laughs> Havana Brown, uh, not Havana, Havana Brown. I forgot on blank. I should remember because I use her in my talk. Jesus, sweet Jesus sweet Brown. Jesus yeah, just brown. type that into just type that into YouTube. And but I think, find it. I think the, if you want to know the most fascinating viral video of all time, and this is one that just tips me over the edge, it's called Nyan Cat, N Y A N Cat, and essentially it's a it's a eight bit animation of a cat jumping through space and the cat looks like an ice vovo and <laughs> it's leaving a rainbow trail. Wow. Oh. Right, now that's up over 160 million views. It started back in 2012, so, you know, a million views back then was bonkers. Yeah. 160 and million views. Attraction? Guess how long it runs for? Oh, 30 seconds? 16 hours. What? 16 hours. And so people are going, oh, your videos have got to be 30 seconds long. It runs for 16 hours. But it seemingly and ticks we, the boxes that you know so well that that make it sort of viral. So, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's not even the video itself. That's just the culture and the zeitgeist around just how silly it is. Yeah. And the fact that wow. I know about, you know, it's almost a thing where, you know, and I studied the people who knew about it and the people who didn't. And the people who know about it talk about it all the time. Mm. And they always talk about it to people who don't know about it. Exactly <laughs> what I've just done to you guys because I now have your attention. Mm. Right? I'm, I can't wait to get right, on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check it out. I was actually going to sneak it on my phone now, but I thought that would be disrespectful. <laughs> I've now got one up on you and that plays a big part in viral. Yeah. Mm. That plays a big part Everyone in wants what to know people what do. somebody doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a, pa- there's a power in I know stuff. Yeah. So in summary up, if someone's – whatever you've done isn't going to harm you going forward, you know, whatever your platform is at the moment, whatever you're on. So I'm – you know, my predominant ones are Facebook and LinkedIn. I don't do a lot on Instagram and I, I'm not on Twitter at all. And my view was I just want to go on things that I could understand, easy to do, and people – I've got an audience effectively. So yep. – uh, and I can see when I'm putting out something that's re- – you know, with, with your coaching, I understand what I need to put out there and how I need to put it out there and what time to put it out there and, you know, understanding how the algorithm works and I get all that. And I've shown people, you know, if I just do a static post with no real thought around it versus one where I've really put some thought around it and got some traction around it. And the difference might be a few hundred views over a few days or three to 4,000 views and more importantly the shares, even on LinkedIn, which doesn't seem to share as easily as Facebook, but it's going to have to be something of really good quality I find to, to, for it to be shared on LinkedIn for all the reasons you just said before because it's an extension of the person who's sharing it to share that content. Mm. So they want to make sure that it's absolutely spot on.
So the golden rules, if you can give some just real quick wins for anyone listening to this right now who wants to, uh, no matter where they are, they can start right now and do these short, sharp things, what would they be? I'll give you a couple of hacks because I know Pete loves hacks. Yeah, he loves hacks. <laughs> Love hacks. Hack number one on LinkedIn. Hack number one on LinkedIn is, that, as you said, Rick, it's harder to share. The trick or the key to LinkedIn at the moment, and this may change, but right now, if you post a video on LinkedIn, they love it. They want it. They, they actually went and stole the whole video engineering team from Facebook and put them in at LinkedIn. That's what happens in Silicon Valley. You take one engineer, they all go together as a team. They're like football teams. Here's the thing. It operates differently, LinkedIn, because they want conversations. They want people talking. So to get your video to spread on LinkedIn, you need at least 20 comments underneath it. That's the power of 20. The power of 20, right? Yep. So you got to have people talking, and it can be you. You yep. can be 10 of the comments as yep. long as you're answering someone else, right? But LinkedIn's also really sensitive if it's, if it's the same people commenting. So you got to be careful that you don't just have, you know, if anyone ever invites you into a LinkedIn pod, run away. Right, it's Just, you're gonna it, you're cheating, and you'll get caught, and you'll never recover. Your reputation is on record forever. So, create content that's gonna garner engagement. Yeah, if you can get to a level where you can get LinkedIn live, so you can live stream on LinkedIn, which they're rolling out to a lot of people, but it's a bit more exclusive at the moment. That's gonna be great because you can trigger a lot more responses in a live video. Like you can ask people questions and have them answer it in the chat. Mm. That counts towards your twenty. Same on Facebook interactions and actions on Facebook are seven times more when you go live. The thing is you've got to be better at going live. You've got to be good at going live because mm. um, not everyone's trained at it and, you know, you don't want to be rustling around and people can't <laughs> people can't listen to bad audio and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But if you can nail it, that's yeah. where you're going to get the greater interaction. So going live video, that's a hack number one. And, number and when one. someone says, well, I'm not very good at that, the answer would be get good at it because you're going to have to because the yep. platforms are going to be all set up for that. Yep. Hack number two no one likes the sound of their own voice. No one. So get over it. Right. No one likes the way they look on camera. Well, Pete, the most. Yeah, I mean, well, I've seen preparing he's a just for, a, for a podcast, <laughs> and you think we're actually going live on CNN as we speak, Jonathan. But uh, <laughs> Pete's on pretty but good terms with himself. So get out of your own way. Right. Don't worry about how you look. Don't worry about how you how, no, it's how a good you point. listen. It's a great there point. is an audience for everyone. Yeah. There yep. really is an audience. I mean, there are some bizarre things going on on the internet that people <laughs> don't even know about. Mm. Like, you know, the, I'm right into sneakers and there's a trend at the moment where people are getting brand new Nike sneakers and filling them with yogurt and squishing it. It's like sacrilegious. Yeah, but that's a thing. That's like millions of views. So there is an audience for everyone, wow. right? So hack one oh, video. Hack, hack number two is get out of your own way. Get don't, out of your own way. Hack three. Hack number three if you're time poor, like most people are, like most people who are looking to make videos are, are doing some sort of job or some sort of work, focus on one platform over many. Just choose your pitch. Like if it's LinkedIn, it's LinkedIn. If it's Facebook, it's Facebook. If it's Instagram, it's Instagram. Just go deep on one because once you get the audience on one, you can then cross-pollinate them to another. Got it. Makes sense. And even I struggle with that at the moment. Yeah, I like to be everywhere. I went really deep earlier this year on YouTube and, you know, it didn't – I couldn't keep posting consistently enough on YouTube, which I think is a higher production level than Facebook. And, you know, that wore me out because I wanted to f get the book done, so I didn't quite do it so well. So it grew, but it didn't grow to where I wanted it to. Facebook's a lot easier for me because you can get away with not being as prepared – 
The second thing is if you're creating content, creating videos, never post them on one and share them to another. So never put a YouTube link on a Facebook post. Right. You get a penalty. Okay. Never post a video on Facebook and then go to LinkedIn and post it. Not even with a link because they read the metadata. Okay. So you've got to change the name of it on the file. It's a pain, but they know. They know everything. They listen to our phones. So from an agent point of view who is posting a picture of a house and wants to put a link to the video that's on YouTube, that's not a good thing. You need to just post the video direct to Here's the thing. Facebook and Google, which owns YouTube, they're the two governments of the internet. Mm. They're superpowers. And they hate each other because they're fighting over the same dollars. Mm, right. right. Facebook's coming in to eat Google's pie. Mm. And so Microsoft and LinkedIn, they all, it's like this massive Everyone's going for silo. audience share. Yeah. yeah it's that. like if you're fighting for a patch like with another real estate agent and there's a new development going up, you want to get every apartment to mm. sell. You don't want to share it with someone else. You don't want to share the penthouse off to someone. Mm. You want to fight. So you've got to keep them separate. Mm. Here's the other thing with YouTube. YouTube is all about watch time. This is the last thing to understand. YouTube is about watch time. How many minutes can you get someone to watch? They don't care if people don't even get to the end of the video. It's all counted by minutes. So let's say, Pete, you make a a one-minute video and you put it on YouTube, right? and you seed it out to 10 people and they watch the whole thing all the way through. You get 10 minutes in the bank. That's your score. I make a 10-minute video and put it out to 10 people. Only five of them watch half of it. 25. But you're ahead. I win. Mm. Yeah. By almost two and a half. So it's content that captures an audience for a period of time gives you the point. Yeah, and here's the thing with YouTube. The average viewing time on YouTube, what do you think it is? Yeah, well, you gave me the stats. You're not allowed to answer this. Pete has to answer. Uh, I'll go average time. I'm going to go five minutes, six minutes. Yeah, that's not a bad guess. It's actually 14. Right, and the optimum Still way off, the, <laughs> and and there's benefit for making me feel <laughs> only fifty percent wrong, uplifting, um, or maybe hundred percent. I'm not great. Fifty percent right. I'm a creative guy. So the other thing is that with you know, YouTube, if you can get your videos to ten minutes or just over ten minutes, you'll get even greater reach again. Mm. And the reason why, because they can run two sets of ads on it. Mm. Yeah, you see. So yeah. we're going back to that understanding the platform. Mm. So. Yes, you've got to understand the platforms. You've got to be really clear on your message, but then you've got to understand your rules of engagement. Now, I know, Rick, you've got a chapter in your book called Rules of Engagement. <laughs> yes, I do. And so have I, but different rules. I okay. get it. But, so you've got rules of engagement on the platforms, but you've also got rules of engagement human to human. And that's where the story comes into it because story and the power of understanding how to tell a great story, like James Cameron says, allows you to hijack attention and keep people for longer, which builds up that emotional contagion, which then flicks the switch, mm. which spreads it. So it might sound very complex, this, all the stuff you've been just laying down for us to pick up there, Jonathan, but it's actually when you review this podcast a few times, you realise there's not a lot you have to get right here for this thing to really fly for you, to really get your message and brand out there. Oh, for, for me, it's it's three major things. I mean, you've got to evoke that emotion. You've got to be relatable and be authentic. Yeah. And then you. what's the worst that can happen? Well, real, think, real relevant and relatable. They're real, the golden horses on the top. If you get uh, a moment to go onto viral.com, which is Jonathan's um, you know, website, you'll see a lot of engagement videos. He'll show you a lot of stuff. But more importantly, Jonathan, if someone's 
listening to this now and thinks, hang on, this is something I've got to have to get really good at because we know that all platforms, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, they're all setting up to go 100% video you know, in, in the near future, let's be candid. Oh, no, it's happening now. It's happening now. Don't, so Don't worry about the future. It, it It's now. Yeah. And you know, I think probably the warning, I don't want to cut you off, but here's what I worry about for most people. If they don't master 2D storytelling, so straight video storytelling, if they don't start mastering that now, heaven help you when 360 video and augmented reality comes in the next two years. Because even I struggle to tell stories on 360 cameras. But it's important to be aware of, you know, this is somebody, if you're listening to this podcast, who can actually coach you through this. It's not that difficult if you actually understand it. My social media sort of uh, habits changed dramatically when Jonathan was giving me the the coaching on it. It's something that I've been really fortunate to uh, sort of benefit from. He's also done a TED Talk, which it kind of explains this pretty uh, pretty extensively, yeah, only about 17 minutes, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. But um, sort of capsulizes We'll have a link on our We'll have a link today. on that as well. Uh, we'll have a link to Viable. If someone wants to email you, Jonathan, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Oh, they can reach me at Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at Viable, V-I-R-A-B-L-E.com. And on Viable.com, you can see, as I said earlier, a whole heap of your, yeah. your work, some of your, your, your sort of work you've done with your different groups and your clients and clientels. Um, a great speaker if you're looking for somebody to really get your audience to think through this and uh, more importantly, I think a lot of this sort of stuff can be interpreted from fear where I'm not going to be good at it so I'm in trouble now where you just show them a way where they can actually be very proactive around that which is what I love. And on that speaker thing, Rick, uh, Jonathan, we were fortunate enough to have Jonathan to speak to our organisation yes. and did a wonderful, wonderful job and um, and the team were, um, yeah, it was it was really eye-opening and this is, this is a topic that people are, are so desperate and craving information on and um, it's not too there's, there's few people that really have the insights and, and the knowledge that Jonathan has so uh, you've been incredibly generous with your time today Jonathan you've got some just some wonderful insights into um, from the outside a, a quite a, a complicated sort of formula isn't it this uh, this social media world but um, you simplify it and you uh, have shared some uh, some wonderful things so thank you and just in wrapping up here with this opportunity with Jonathan today, you know, do reach out because uh, you know one consistent thing with every voice of value we've brought to you thus far in more than forty episodes now, Pete, which is scary, uh, is the fact that you know we've we've received Pete and I've received some really nice feedback from people saying you bring some great voices of value to us, and we're really enjoying the engagement with them. But Jonathan is somebody who will absolutely look forward to any feedback, any connection with you, and he'll do his very very best to help we get to sort of reunite again uh, in Perth uh, for about 1100 people um, later in the year and I can't wait to introduce you again mate because every audience I've introduced you to have always said the same thing to me which is wow I actually got so much out of that and hopefully our listeners have got a lot out of this one today Pete it's been another great episode absolutely Rick thank Jonathan thank you guys been awesome we trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. 
Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice and the value-added way.